0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make?
3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick. We're back for part two of the review of the Ravens against the Eagles defense in the first preseason game. And, uh, you know, great game for the for the Ravens defense. I think in a lot of ways uh, they made up for some errors that were made on special teams and on the offensive side of the ball, including that nasty pick six and some other inability to move the football. Uh, here to talk to me about that and talk with me about some of the individual performances in this
4: game is Alec Puglianis of One Winning Pod. Alec, how you doing? Great, Ken. I'm excited to talk about these players uh, directly. You know, I felt like we were like teasing this part of the episode earlier on when talking about the overall game, but uh, excited to break it down a little bit further.
3: Yeah, well, let's let's get into that with some uh, with some talk about players. And I like to do this by position group and kind of as we do during the regular season when we talk about individual players. Guest goes first, please. Talk, talk about who you'd like to start with and uh, and we'll have a little bit back and
4: forth about them and then I'll pick another play on the same position group we'll start with the interior defensive line sure I want to talk about blackson I was really interested to see what he would contribute coming in as a free agent signing and you know I thought he actually played pretty well when I mm-hmm. saw him go out there um, it was one of those kind of players like I mentioned earlier in the show or in the episode one of you know, I see him go out there. Okay, I want to pay attention to him on this play. That's going to be where I start my focus. And I thought thought that he played pretty well. He didn't, um, you know, get out of um position too often, and he seemed he seemed reasonable against the the quality of competition he was going against. And um, I think he's interesting to me because obviously we saw, um, oh goodness, now uh, Urban Keith Urban. I was like, mm-hmm. who, who am I thinking in my head? Keith Urban. Brad, Brad Urban. Um, Oh, <laughs> there you go. Brett urban. So clearly I, I was, I was struggling to remember the name. That would be a real <laughs> depth problem for this team. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, so Brett urban, um, I think they're kind of going to be competing for each other, uh, as that last spot, you know, which veteran, I'm not sure about the contract structure. We know that urban has always been, um, a favorable cut candidate just to you know, mm-hmm. sneak somebody by. I don't know if Blackson's contract is the same way. I believe it is. Um, so we'll see who wins out that battle. But I thought he did all right.
3: And so I had Blackson for, uh, for a pair of pressures. Uh, one came quarter one, The other quarter two, 1328. If you're one of those guys who just has to go back and look and check my pressures, he had an assist on a defensive win for his only tackle. Uh, he only played 21 snaps. So that is not bad production from that period of time. Uh, by the way, uh, Blackson does not have any guaranteed money on his contract, as far as I can tell from OTC. So <laughs> the Ravens are are free to use him as a variable roster size player, as well as Urban. They could cut them both if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would agree. And Blackson, I give out a uh, a change in expectations grade for every player in my article, and if you look at that, there's a lot of detail on the individual plays they made and whatnot. Uh, I would encourage people to go out there and take a read. It's doesn't, it doesn't—it doesn't take too long to read, although it's—it's it's a a heavier read in terms of some of the um, uh, notational uh, mm-hmm. information that's there. But it does. It, it, Blackson got a plus one from me, and that—that that means that I think he's in a better position than I thought he was in before. That's all that means. That plus one. Don't ascribe <laughs> too much value to it, but to me, he—he he moved up a little bit in terms of his likelihood of impacting the 2023 Ravens and where I I thought the chance was was, there's probably going to have to be a breakdown in depth before he would get a spot. I think the Ravens may have found another player from a Chicago Bears background who might – they might have found how that player would look better within the Ravens scheme than he has played previously in Chicago, which is not very well.
4: Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously when they picked him up, they probably saw something in and they liked, and, and I was keen to see what he would do for our, our defense. And uh, like you said, they could cut both of them. I wouldn't be shocked if they did, if they need the flexibility. We'll mm-hmm. see who who all they're trying to sneak. And yeah, uh, very reasonable. He'll have my attention in week two. Yeah, they've got a bunch of guys on
3: the roster. Basically, the magic formula is is this, the secret to uh, to building an <laughs> yeah. expanded 58-man roster instead of a 53. The secret is find the five guys who have five plus years of experience, a vet minimum contract, and not a whole lot of guaranteed money. You can cut all five of them, probably sign them back, because there's, there, if, if you got them at that kind of market price, there's probably not some kind of supermarket for them that's developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you're, you're probably not going to lose them. And if they've made other commitments around town and whatnot, they've already rented their house and whatnot. There's there's a disincentive. The market frictions are actually significant for a guy who's making a million dollars a year to not go to another city after they've mm-hmm. got their kids. Uh, I already I already got a Maryland driver's license. Would be enough for some people, you know. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but for but for other people, it's like I put my kids in this school. I think I you know I think they've got a chance to succeed there. The wife's mm-hmm. tugging them. That, you know I'm already happy here. Don't move me. Um, then they, they, they'll, they might hang around, but, uh, but anyway, uh, frictions, frictions are helpful on a, on a vet min contract basis. And you usually get to keep those people, even though you, you, you kind of use them to play this game. And, um, and we see the Ravens have not always got those people back on the roster right away. Sometimes they take two or three weeks to get them back on the roster because they're, they have to kind of get some people on, onto injury status, but also they have to kind of wait for depth to break down somewhere else for them to get the players back. But they just have an understanding. They're really part of the
4: extended roster anyway. Right. And then there's uh, the extra gamesmanship. I think it's after week two where you yes. sign the guy and then uh, it's a week by week contract. So then they can save some cap that way too. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, uh, particularly with these players, like you mentioned.
3: All right. I'm going to come up with another player. And for me, he was absolutely the most dominant player in this game. And that was Travis Jones. Um, and, and what I mean is physically dominant here. Now, Worley was the grand wizard. When it, that's a bad term. I don't want to use <laughs> that. He was, he was, he was the, he was the Ed Reed of this game relative to the rest of the players. He was like, you know, Ed Reed playing in a street ball league or something where, uh, uh he, was, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> he was there to, there to take the ball away, uh, at, at any time, but Travis Jones, uh, the Eagles could not match up with him in any way one-on-one. The only times they beat him were in two different ways I want to get to. Uh, but he had, he had pressure events. He had a couple different times where he got easy compression uh, pressure. Uh, Opita, the right guard, could not block him straight up. Reed, the center, could not block him straight up. Uh, he, he, he beat Steen, who was the right guard, uh, for fast pressure. Uh, he, he, when he was double-teamed, uh, on one run play, uh, Johnson and Sills were actually able to move him on one play. Uh, that allowed an RM four. That was you know, <laughs> the, yeah. the big play that 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 he allowed out of this. Um, it's always going to be a little bit more difficult, and this was kind of his kryptonite in college. That he was double teamed fairly effectively when he was at UConn, and pretty much everybody, uh, every other team knew that he was UConn's big player. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was somebody they want to go after, but incredibly disruptive, powerful presence in the middle of this line. And we talked about it in the first episode. Um, He, he looks to me like his hand fighting is at a completely different level. He's got violent, powerful
4: arms and he really uses them effectively, particularly with that rip move. That I definitely agree with. I I did notice, um, you know, more active hands just in general for the uh, pass rushers and defensive line. And I think, the cool thing about Travis Jones, you know, in, in college, they double team him. OK, fair enough. But in the pros, you know, you start double teaming Jones and that really opens up everybody else. You know, fine. I Somebody's going to get double teamed. That's kind of the way the math works if you're doing a four man rush. And I think he's going to be strong enough to hold his own in those positions and maybe even, you know, break it occasionally. So I I, I was really excited from his performance in this game. I, I, I'm, I'm. The good news or the bad news from here? Which do we want to start with? Give me the good news first.
3: Okay, we'll go to the good news first. You're a good news first guy. That's, uh, that's a sign <laughs> of weakness. Well, <laughs> but anyway, good news Is first. It? yeah. Well, I think so. I was just quoting a song. The bad news first? Yeah. <laughs> right. I was just quoting a song, and that's the only reason I said it. <laughs> All right, that's okay. So the Eagles' lone <laughs> touchdown drive. If you look at the last three plays, the Eagles actually finally did develop a strategy to handle Travis Jones, and the strategy was let him over penetrate and then mm. block him positionally. So on two of those plays, and if you look at this is q 2501 and q 2356 the first play q 2501 they got a first down close to the goal line. Then they didn't quite get in. And then, and then they scored the touchdown on the following play. And the, 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 the first and the third play there, both times Jones had a one, one matchup penetrated way into the backfield, but actually also penetrated himself out of the play. And that actually opened up the middle of the field. Very interesting to watch the Eagles adapt on the fly to this, by the way. Uh, I don't doubt that this would be something you'd be able to deal with. Um, you know, if, if you're a defensive coordinator, you see one guy beating you as badly as Jones was beating the Eagles in this game, you definitely would, would try and figure out some way to, to address his penetration. But for the Eagles to, to show this to the Ravens in a preseason game, is they did the Ravens a big favor because now they'll go right back to the drawing board with Jones starting this week, starting at these joint practices, and tell him control your aggression. Look, it's great that you're getting into the backfield, but let's think about this logically. That man opposite you, his job is to block you one-on-one and see if he can take you out of that play. If you do the job for him and are way in the backfield and make it easy then for him to just you know kind of bump you a little bit. So you're too, you're, it's too hard for you to get back in the play at that point. You know, you've done the job for him. That's exactly what he was supposed to do, is, is, is neutralize you in a one-on-one matchup. And then right. you you failed to deny that player space, to deny the runner space, to bifurcate the backfield the way it is by over-penetrating. So they're going to get right back to him this week. They're going to talk to him, I'm sure about that. And I'm going to look forward to joint practices and see if we see any of these joint uh, these overpenetrations from Jones this week. But it'll be he'll be one of the really exciting players to watch. I don't there's no indication to me that Travis Jones is not strong enough to pull that versus any player at all in this league one-on-one. I don't think there's I don't think there's a lineman in this league. You know, you could you could maybe point to a, you know Quentin Nelson or something. Quentin Nelson's more of a finesse player than a pure power player, but you know, the interior offensive lineman in this league. Just aren't so massively powerful that they're able to handle a player like Travis Jones. They have they try and have feet, they try and move. Travis Jones is just way too quick and too powerful with his arms for the typical interior offensive lineman to deal with.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think, like you said, to me, preseason is an opportunity. This is why I'm I'm so glad starters don't play. It's not because starters. You know, like there's, there's a whole debate about, you know, getting, getting up the game speed and all that. But the real thing is I want these younger players to get these reps and learn ways that they can improve and then be able to learn more about your roster on this back end. But don't you don't get as many snaps during the season. Mm-hmm. There's th- th- their time will come to starters in week one, week two, week three. You know, there's plenty of season for us to figure it out. They're going to be too good against the level of competition you know, unless everyone was playing their starters to like really truly get this idea. But with, with guys like Jones, you know, you're going to be able to learn this. And like you said, see and practice how he responds. I I think that this is a coachable moment. I always love this, you know, a, a, when you can just coach a problem away as far as technique, uh, more so than just physical limitations. This is the exact place you want to be in with a player in their second year. And um, I mean, Jones is really just starting to prove to everyone, that he was a a great pick in the third round. I remember on draft night. How excited we we were, yeah. Yeah, we were like, oh, it's clear who we should be picking. He was on Jason's big board, I think, in the top 30. I think it was number 29, if I recall correctly. I mean, it was a slam dunk pick in, the in I think, number 75 for 76. 76, yep. Yep. So it was was an absolute value, and um, he's shown it. I mean, I, I think if he was selected in the early second round by a team performing like this, people would be pretty excited yeah he got a trial by fire last year with thirty percent of the snaps played, largely
3: because of the uh, uh, injury to Pierce, so yep. he ended up playing that being the primary nose and and he did a good job at that. but this year, boy, I mean, you look at this game. I asked the question this last week in camp, maybe it was, it was ten days ago by now, but but of Weaver, you know it, it, is a one in three of Pierce and Jones a realistic possibility? Uh, you know, given past things we've seen from the Ravens, including Brandon Williams and, and Pierce playing together uh, in Pierce's rookie year. And he said, I definitely wouldn't rule out that combination. I, I look at this game and see what Jones did in the one-on-one matchup. If I'm McDonald, I'm scheming every freaking time I get a chance to get Jones a one-on-one matchup. Anytime I can make it happen. If I can make it happen by stunt, if I can make it happen by whatever it takes by, by the, by the players on the field, by using that one, three combination I mentioned, I mean, I'm, I'm doing whatever I have to do to try and get Jones matched up single. You'd bl- I mean, you can blitz to get it, too, is another thing. You can force a peel off from one of two guys that's, that's blocking Jones, even if he is double teamed on a pass play, even if they get there the way they want right at the start. And it could get ugly pretty quick, I think, for, the, for opposing teams that, that are constantly matched up uh, one-on-one with him. I'm sure the Eagles fans would say, boy, those second string linemen of ours aren't very good and they're probably right, but Jones outplayed them by so much. I mean, they didn't belong on the same field with him. And yeah. he, uh, I, I think he's going to have a fairly easy time against other interior offensive linemen in this league.
4: Yeah, definitely excited for week one and, and his contributions there, but uh, definitely on the right track. And like you said, great learning moment for where he did fail and uh, something that could be fixed. Who's your next guy you'd like to talk about? Let's see. On the defensive line... Um, I'd probably go with, with bots. Okay. Um, you know, to me, he didn't do much. Um, I see in your article, you had him as a zero for me, it'd be a minus one. I think the reason I would say it's a minus one, and maybe this is, you know, taking your scoring system the wrong way is I think he was outplayed. And I think in a couple other places, uh, you kind of mentioned from a lack of playing from a player that, that they lost position. I feel like bots kind of lost position for that reason. I felt as though, uh, the contributions we saw from uh, Blackson and Urban were high enough that it'd be difficult for him to find a spot. Now, what he's probably going for, anyways, is a, a practice squad, you know, against Nichols. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that competition, you know, both of those players I felt as though didn't do too too much. So, I guess in a way, he has a redraw, you know, another opportunity in week two and week three uh, of the preseason to make an opportunity and a splash. But I thought this game he didn't really move the needle much.
3: It's an interesting um, player to talk about. And I, I'm going to toss Kaiem Caesar in the same group as him. And one of the things is if, if you go to camp and this is open information, because anybody who's been there as a fan has seen this, those guys don't practice special teams. They're not on special teams units. So the two of them are always out there in the defensive line area, you know, Hitting the dummies, maybe practicing some hand fighting against each other. Sometimes, yeah, uh, talking to the coaches there, but they don't have a lot to do in terms of a special teams role. And I, you know, you wouldn't expect that. But I, I thought bots was decent in this game. Had had a bull rush pressure, and that's a Q three nine minutes. Um, he did a nice job in pursuit, which is something I always like to see from alignment. You know, are they are they making good pursuit to the sideline? He had a good. A good job to knock Book out. He didn't actually knock Book out. He more directed Book out of bounds because Book didn't want to take the hit uh, for a gain of just two. It, that's, it was The play was almost like a sack plus two, honestly, for, mm-hmm. for what it is. That's the way I kind of think of it. Uh, but it was a good. Uh, that was a good play. Um, played 25 snaps. That's a little bit of something. Uh, Kaiem Caesar played 22 snaps. He had less that I noted in this game. In fact, I, I only noted one thing, and that was that he stood up against a double team. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's enough. I mean, he's a, he's a bigger guy. The Ravens may need another bigger guy, a really a nose tackle size player at some point this season. And I, I think Caesar and bots are both in good shape to make the practice squad. And they may be, um, probably Caesar even more so than bots. Cause Caesar is the larger body type that, that oftentimes you just have to have. Um, I think it's more likely that Caesar would get poached. Off the Ravens practice squad. But as we know, Ravens practice squad. If you want a defensive lineman, that's where you go.
4: Indeed. Yeah, I can't I'm trying to remember. Didn't Nichols get poached at one point? Now he's back. Or am I am I making that up? Uh I don't know, honestly. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, they're definitely always getting looked at. Um, I think we lost somebody last year for sure, but anyhow, um definitely uh know how to how to make them. <laughs> we're we and, and that's actually one of the things I think is a, a nice feature of the Ravens from a roster building perspective is we're been very competent over the years of finding good defensive tackle depth, um, late and, you know, and undrafted that contribute. And, um, that, that helps them not have to necessarily draft that player in the sixth round, you Uh know, and that, that's, that's valuable when you can take another swing at a cornerback or, or whatever. You
3: mentioned Rashad Nichols in there. Um, another guy very odd game cuz if you ask me how many snaps he played i never would have guessed 43 yeah never would have guessed that high but he played as much as pretty much anybody on the defensive line i think and uh, he did not make my notes even once now let me start by saying this is we take all of our notes initially from the from the tv feed from the broadcast feed directly so the thing i get to see every single play is what what's happening with the defensive line who's getting pushed around who's you know denying space effectively and in Nichols' case, you know, it's shocking to me that there wasn't a note to be had on a player like that over the course of 43 snaps. But that's the way it played out. And and meanwhile, the same, you know, set up well, uh, 29 snaps, so two-thirds as many snaps for Jones, he's got 10 notes. Now, he, he created all kinds of pressure on his. He moved his guys around like they were ragdolls. He was completely overpowering them. Rayshad Nichols that wasn't the case, but you you would think on on other run plays that there would be negative notes on Nichols, and that wasn't the case either. it just was was kind of invisible for this game and not that's not necessarily a terrible thing um uh, you know against a team that that might have had some success pushing him around they didn't you know i i I wasn't noticing that happening a lot
4: yeah, just check the transaction report we never lost him um so yeah, he's been uh he was waived and then resigned uh to the practice squad. So maybe that's what I was thinking of, but anyhow, yeah, he um he's always been a Raven. So Broderick Washington didn't play, Justin Maddibake didn't play, Michael
3: Pierce didn't play, thank goodness, cuz you wouldn't want any of those guys going down. Brent Urban played and he actually made a play or two in this game. Had a pass defensed. It was a kind of a typical gut pressure on his guy. Nice uh uh, leverage generated, we've got some push on him, then got his hand up at exactly the right time, got the pass defense uh, had a nice impressive shed of the tight end stole where he tackled Swift for a two yard gain. Uh, Urban is a professional run defender in a lot of ways. He gets his arm up thats that's his primary weapon in terms of what he can how he can help you on early down pass defense. but uh, what he does very well is deny space. By maintaining position well, some people would call it a two-gap player, but it's more—it's more nuanced than that. He's not just looking to go either way. He, the guy knows how to keep his arm free on whichever side it was, and he did on the on the play where he made the tackle. Um, just a—he's—he's he's a very good guy to have around when you think first of all when you think the other team is going to be running the football. It's very—it's extremely valuable when they have a particularly potent running attack, like playing the Tennessee Titans in London. They're going to want to have Brent Urban on the field a fair amount of the time. Uh, but anyway, I I, uh, I thought it was nice for him to get 19 snaps in this one. I think he was off the off the field by halftime. Yeah, near the end of the first half is when I have he, he left the field. Um, and a good performance for him. Interesting, him and Blackson both had a had a plus outing. Neither of them is guaranteed a roster spot. Now I think both of them improved their chances to get
4: one, even though in some sense they're competing against each other. Now, does Blackson, in your mind, have the opportunity to play a five-tech? Um do you think he would be uh like a one for one? Because that's something that Urban we know provides.
3: Right. Um the size that that, that Urban gives you, you can't replace otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think you start with that. Um uh, you you're I'm trying to look up the height and weight. Now I got my roster here. Let's see if I can if I can look up the the weight from Blackson. Um yeah blackson is six four three oh five so he's a little bit um uh good it's that's good height don't get me wrong so there's, there's a lot of things you can do to help you with that but urban at six seven can do more urban's yeah. a little bit of a leaner player but i think still very um you know very effective at denying space i think of blackson as probably a little bit more of a penetrator uh than urban and at three o five and his height i think even more as a three tech but I mean, you know, the five tech role is just—it's not enough of a position by itself. So, if you're five, you have to also be able to play three. You can get away with just being a three. So, in in uh, in the case of the, with the Ravens having already um, uh, Braddock Washington as probably their their top five tech, who is definitely absolutely also a three. Um, then their their second five tech is is probably Urban at this point. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves Blackson to try and, you know, probably be available when need arises. And if I had if I had, still had to guess right now, I think including special teams presence and whatnot, Urban gives you more. And I think yeah. they'll stick with
4: Urban and Blackson will be their top practice squad guy. That's my thought as well. I think Urban definitely has the uh the advantage right now and i also want to just point out he, i noticed that he was uh, one of the captains they brought out for the coin flip
2: mm-hmm.
4: and uh just he looks so happy to be there <laughs> he's yeah. just like, yeah he just uh I, I thought that was a good nod um other players were seymour and then Prochet and duvernay so um anyhow but i definitely think um urban's probably you know he's, he's been here before um multiple times so i just i do think he has the inside track yeah, completely understands the the roster game
3: that the Ravens may well play with him, mm-hmm. and you know he said directly on our show that that uh, you know that's something he completely understands. He just thinks it's smart, smart general managing. So you have players that just get that you know they get what the advantage is to the organization and they don't mind it. That's that's the guy you want on your on, as your extra vet men guys. I mean they they're, they they have an additional roster. Uh, flexibility, value—that that, uh, that you just you, you, i, I don't—I think you should not understate the value of. I think it has real value that those players are are able and willing to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to outside linebacker. A lot of guys to talk about here. Um, definitely some
4: interesting players, but who stood out to you? Definitely want to talk about the local kid, uh, Ham. So Malik came in. Um, and I remember being like, Oh, another Malik. Um, but, uh, <laughs> he, and <laughs> then with an H, uh, but, uh, anyhow, uh, Malik, I thought he played quite well. He was able to, um, you know, win pass rush snaps and, um, just get a lot of pressure, honestly, he set the edge decently. And, um, I thought, he played really well. He's definitely a guy that stood out to me that hadn't stood out so far in, in the preseason at the practices I had gone to um, just wasn't a guy I had noticed, but uh, definitely popped off the, the field during this game. Yeah. Terrific game for Malik and, and uh, uh,
3: really showed out. And one of the things I have to be a little bit concerned about is that he was doing it mostly against one player and that's the right tackle for who he was beating a variety of ways but he, he was very effective against him in particular. Uh, so he made him he's kind of his daddy in this game, but it's not <laughs> like Pierce where they couldn't put anybody up and they tried um, and, and they had Pierce lined up in various spots where where he was going against different linemen. none of them could none of them could stand up one-on-1 to him. Ham uh, it was basically the right tackle of Cora for he was he was beating. He beat him for uh, bull then shed for a quarterback hit he beat him inside. Uh, that spin move he put on Okora 4 at q3711 if you didn't notice it during the game do yourself a favor and go back and watch it it's it's mesmerizing it's like watching Mullins catch from today <laughs> if, you, if you watch it one time you probably want to watch it six times um, it's just one of those outstanding spin moves for that fast s minus um, six he set the set the edge well he he had pressures uh, I had him and he had a he had a pass defense as well so I had him with a sack a quarterback hit A pressure that resulted in a PD and another pressure that it ended up being a run play, so I wouldn't chart it that way. So I had him as one, one, and one on the pressures. I'm actually interested to know how PFF scored it on that for the day, but I know they they thought Ham was pretty good. Yeah, they had him for one, one, and one also. So uh, good day for for Malik and uh, definitely a candidate for the backup Sam rule. One thing you have to do is is have him take some coverage snaps. So he doesn't have to play against the, the next highest unit. He just has to play some coverage snaps this next week in, in game two, probably in the, in the joint practices uh, to try and get a feel for whether or not this guy could play a little Sam.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel as though his, his ceiling play is not to make the roster um, just because of the other signings that they're hoping to do. And I'm the if they don't make a signing, then there seems like there's a slot, but um, if they do make a signing, uh, I do anticipate him being a priority uh, practice squad pickup, but I guess uh, maybe it comes down to Bowser's, Bowser's health.
3: Yeah, let's see. I mean, first of all, they have they apparently have some timeline on Bowser. At least that's what Harbaugh said. He wouldn't tell you what it was, but he said it wasn't unreasonable. Kind of thing. I don't know what that means. That means just <laughs> in half the season. Is he is he back in December? What does it mean that it's not an unreasonable <laughs> time? The only thing I did see, I saw the video of him walking into the practice facility. That's the only time I've seen him so far during this. During this uh, camp process, um, and it did not look good. He has his, mm-hmm. his leg wrapped, walking with a noticeable limp, and uh, boy, it sure didn't look like he was going to be back next week or anything, or maybe next yeah. month. So, uh, it, it, they're going to need somebody else. So, I, I, I think there's room for them, in my opinion, to sign somebody and also keep somebody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. If he's if he's going to be IR'd, then yeah, definitely. Well, uh, if, if Bowser is going to be IR, but, but the more likely thing is that, okay. And and IR can mean two things. You could have a season ending IR if he's before. Not not, not, not that one. Not that one. Yeah. Yeah, So you you use, use an urban to get him one day and then, yeah, he's already on PUP. So they don't have to actually, or no, actually he's on NFI, isn't he? So I'm not sure what the impact of that is. Yeah, it's true, right? I, I'm not sure what was... the rules are. He may, he may be able to come back anytime. And I think wasn't that what happened with with uh, Ajabo last year? He was the on NFI and it. then came yeah. back. Yeah. So so I think they have a. I think they probably have the right to to keep him around and available, even though they have to return him at some point during the season. But to me, Kyle Van Noy is still the guy who makes sense for this Ravens team. I think they're probably, if I had to guess, they're eventually going to get him, and he makes the most sense to keep their pass rush flexibility where they like it. Where they have a guy who can drop off the end of the line of scrimmage, give you something in coverage. He's not Tyus Bowser, but he's been a pretty damn good coverage player. In a, I want to say it's been over twelve hundred, might be fourteen hundred career coverage snaps that he's had. So he's 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 a vet. He knows yeah. how to he knows how to take that role. And I don't think he'll he'll disappoint you in terms of reading the cornerback, in terms of figuring out where the, you know, anticipating the flat route before it happens, anticipating the screen pass before it happens. I don't think he's going to let you down in, in that way. Uh, he might not be the pass rusher you want, but that's why you know you 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 don't need all of that from him. and I think he said he said something like twenty sacks over the last four years too, so it's like he has he hasn't been bad in that area. It's just he yeah. hasn't you know not necessarily great for an edge,
4: sure. well, I mean, given what his role would be on this team, assuming Bowser has some bill of health for let's say half a season, um that's definitely reasonable uh to come in and and I think that's a a great value add to the, the roster.
3: Well, one of the questions would be, would you rather have Ham in there as a backup Sam linebacker? And, and you've also got to consider the fact that Ham is, is a rookie. So you get four years of sand in the hourglass that hopefully will provide, will turn into gold dust at some <laughs> point. Okay, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but if, you, if you do have Ham um, on the roster, then does he, can he possibly give you more at outside linebacker on early downs as a Sam than what Malik Harrison can do, because Malik Harrison has done some fine things. He's beefed up this offseason to 259 pounds. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw that, but that's an unbelievable weight for an inside linebacker in the mm-hmm. in the NFL these days. No one weighs that much. Um, he's a big boy, yeah. and uh, and he, that's really that's he's he's done it to no doubt about to play edge. So the question is, you know, that's a, that's really a run setting edge weight. Did he did he bulk up just to do that role? Or is he you know, hoping that he can, he can play a little more Sam linebacker this season? And, and would Malik Ham be the right guy uh, on early downs instead of him? Uh, and then you mm. keep Malik available, obviously, for all the other things Malik can do for you, which is largely to provide you needed depth if anything goes wrong with your depth at either the inside linebacker or outside linebacker position, in addition to all the special teams value he gives you.
4: Right. Yeah. So I guess you're asking, do I feel like Ham's a better rusher at this point? Mm -hmm. Uh, for those those downs and I I would say yes so that's a that's a good point about um, Harrison's you know value as a a, an option at the Sam but uh, I do think Ham is uh, like you said he has those four years where Harrison has zero and this is his last year uh, so definitely could see Ham being uh, sneaking in there
0: yeah
3: all right other outside linebackers I've got one more I want to talk you you picked Ham right I, get pick I picked guy. Yeah, so All yeah, right. go for it. Let's talk about Kelly Sanders a little bit, because he made my notes a number of times in this game. Yes. And I thought he was the one outside linebacker who showed a little bit more against the run than the other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a couple good edge-setting notes um, twice – uh, he got a free run into the backfield. If one time he ran a, he there's a blocking error of some sort where he took down sermon for a, a run left for minus seven. There's, I, I can't diagnose it exactly, but the left B gap was wide open and he was on the line of scrimmage. So there's no except. Mm. There's no reason for him not to get blocked on a play like that. And yet all of a sudden he's in the backfield, takes down sermon for minus seven. Um, he did lose containment um, and then missed a, a, a sack for minus two on a McKee RR seven. So that was a play where, you know, it was, it was an ankle tackle and that kind of, it could be a tough miss tackle when it's graded that way. But in my opinion, he kind of lost that containment. So he kind of richly deserved that one. Uh, so that was unfortunate. Uh, but he, but otherwise I thought he did a, a pretty good job. He, he was one of the guys who uh, rushed, um, off Washington's miss sack, which ended up becoming a sack zero for Worley. that was a drive-ending play. I think it was no, it wasn't a drive-ending play. Actually, I think that was third and four. Took it to fourth and four. But anyway, that that um, uh, that play, he pursued Book all the way to the sidelines. There were several people doing it, but but he was part of the of the posse that was running him down for for Warley <laughs> yeah. to get the get the. Uh, actually, Warley just, just touched him down, but he was he was menacing enough that he that he had to slide down. Yeah, and then on, on that fourth and four play, he came off the offensive right side and got that drive inning quarterback hit. Uh, as Book through the pass as high and complete, Worley was standing right on top of the guy. I mean, this again, Worley had diagnosed the play completely among these you know, seventh yeah. graders or whatever, what they looked like. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing with. So, uh, uh, it was a it was very but I thought I thought Sanders did a really good job, and, and of the Ravens outside linebackers, I thought his edge setting. Was some of the best.
4: That would be my note as well. Uh, kind of keep it relatively short with him is that he set the edge effectively when others didn't, and and that was you know something we complained about about um, Jabo. and I think you know Sanders was kind of the mirror there. So definitely a, a good good game for him. Uh, we said the same thing uh, actually about Tavius Robinson as well. So um, yeah, I think I definitely think uh, Sanders had an, an all right game, good performance for him. All
3: right. Uh, who else? Who else we got? The outside linebacker. You got any notes on
4: Jeremiah Moon or anybody else in this game? Not anything I wanted to talk about it too much. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, we talked about Tavius a little bit, but that's about it. Oh, sure. Let's do that. Let's do that. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What I had on Tavius was that he was struggling this at the edge. Um, and I, I noted that at camp as well. Um, so it's one of those things, I guess. I always don't, don't know what I'm supposed to say. So I kind of keep it to myself. But, uh, you know, I noticed that he had some work to do there uh, during camp and kind of continued through this, this preseason game. Um, so, like you said, it kind of makes him more of a, a situational pass rusher at this point, which I wasn't too, too thrilled with anything I, I saw there either. So, I think he's going to be more of a developmental player, but hope to see some growth throughout the preseason. Yeah, he's an interesting
3: player because it's not clear that he gets activated on game day. Yeah. You know, first of all, he'd be the third string rush linebacker for this Ravens team. So his value will come largely as a situational pass rusher, and it has to come with an ability to kick inside. I don't think you otherwise derive the value from who he is if you don't have that in mind as a package. And the Ravens may or may not actually want to do that. I mean, hey, if, if Travis Jones is as dominant as he looked, then I could really see a time this season where the Ravens say, you know what, we don't, we don't have a, a great number, of outside linebackers that we want to have in there anyway, but a job O and 0 are enough. We we want Matabike and Jones to be on the field on these on these pass rush situations and otherwise have our standard two inside linebackers. You blitz off the slot some, you blitz from safety. And there's a, there's a you know, there's multiple ways to get to the quarterback, but we don't where we normally have been a one-defensive lineman team now for quite a while, very rarely having two defensive linemen on the field on pass rush situations. Uh, this is this is maybe a version of the Ravens that has enough interior rush to consider doing it with two guys.
4: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there.
3: All right, yeah, same things about Robinson, I would say too. Uh, anybody else? I need to say anything about? I don't think so. Let's move on. We're kind of we're kind of dogging it a little bit here, though. I enjoy these discussions with the always uh, Alec. Uh, let's move on to the inside linebacker position and talk about the guys
4: who played there. All right. I think we have to start off then with the other Malik, uh, Malik Harrison. The, I know, noted here that he was uh, wearing the green dot for three quarters. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't know who was wearing the green dot, so I appreciate that note. But what I did notice is that, uh, like you said, like block out the sun. He was there for most of the game, played pretty well. Um, definitely saw him show up in a few key plays. Um, although he unfortunately did fall for some misdirection. Uh, that fourth and one play, he was in the position to stop Mariota, but then he bit, um, and then that allowed uh, a continuation of the drive. So, I definitely was hoping that you know for a little bit better there uh, in those in those kind of key positions. But he definitely played well, and uh, you know he was able to register a sack um, and um, break up other run game uh, run plays.
3: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have too much to say about Malik cause he, uh, most of it's out there. Malik was, was one of the stars of the game by everybody's estimation, including the Ravens themselves who put him up for an interview after the game, along with Worley. I don't know how they could have avoided Worley, but they, but with, with Harrison, they, they certainly put him up there. They could have put Travis Jones up there. You know, I think people would have been happy to hear from him about the day he had, but they, they didn't do that. They used Harrison. He was out there for 58 snaps. Um, the play that was most impressive to me of his was a Q2 615. There was a pulling center on the play, Reed, and he stood up to him and shed him aside. And I, I, you know, I saw that and I think, boy, that's just something we never, ever see from Patrick Queen. And it doesn't even have to be a puller where there's a full head of steam developing before he gets the block. It's a matter of you know, basically any lineman who makes it to level two is a difficult shed for Patrick Queen. And, yeah. and, and has been over the years. Queen really d- depends on quickness to avoid getting blocked. If he gets, you know, hands get on him. And I'm not saying that's not true of a lot of inside linebackers in this league, that a bigger player gets your hands on him. You, you have trouble dealing with that. But Harrison just a, a, a really fine block shedder, and that was a good um, instance of it if you look at that particular play. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 the pass rush, he looked quick getting in. Uh, was much too quick for the left tackle Steen when he recorded his S minus nine. That was a, a, a blitz through the left B gap where Steen had to react inside. He was just, he was much too slow for, for what Harrison could present. Not going to say that all left tackles in the league wouldn't be quick enough, but that would have been a, that would have been a tough schematic chore for most left tackles. And, uh, and he did a good job uh, getting there. I, I thought in general, Really good snap. Made my notes a number of times. He's in my star treatment in my article of, of, uh, that has six individuals.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done.
3: Visual notes, good and bad, um, of Mm -hmm. what happened in the game. And uh, to me, Malik was not definitely a guy who was going to make the team. I think that that, not from this game, but also from what's happened in camp, he's improved his chances. But he also has some competition to deal with now, with the other guy who really starred in this game, which is who is Delshawn Phillips.
4: Yeah, I I agree. agree. So before you talk about Delshawn, I'll just say uh, that is kind of the cool advantage of Harrison gaining that extra weight, like you mentioned. Uh, not only does that provide him flexibility to maybe play edge uh, and, and a Sam role, but um, he also is able to get off a block and shed yep. a little bit better than a guy like Queen who's just a, a bullet. Um, and, and like you said, uses his speed to get out of those situations. Yep. Yep, absolutely.
3: Well, Delshawn Phillips uh, also played right next to Malik Harrison on the weak side for for three quarters. If you haven't heard it, and you've probably been in a cave if you haven't heard it now and <laughs> yeah. not reading Ravens articles, Delshan Heater is uh, a Heater. Delshan Phillips is on one of the big heaters ever in terms of his camp play. He's made all sorts of plays, uh, hands on the football, interceptions, punching the ball loose from Mason and some other players, but Mason a lot, it seems like. Uh, he's he's, <laughs> he's been a very effective um, uh, player and really frustrating, I think, to the uh, to the offense uh, in terms of where, how he's been in the right player. Had 10 tackles in this game. Uh, that is a very rarely attained figure in the preseason. You usually have to have a, 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 a game where one team runs a ton of snaps, and then if they do, it's usually a lot of passing snaps, so he won't make as many tackles. But Delshot Phillips with 10 tackles in this game is a, is a remarkable total. Even more remarkable, seven of those were defensive wins. So that means they didn't meet the minimum standard of percentage of the yardage needed, which is 45% or first down 60% or second down a hundred percent on 1st down 60 percent on 2nd down a 100 percent or 3rd down of the yardage needed for a first down. And that's a terrific game to have, uh, uh, to have seven uh, some people call them stops or stuffs or whatever you might call them uh, to uh, defensive wins to do that.
4: Yeah. You, you're not wrong. You have to be living under a rock. So I, I've heard the, the reports. I've seen some of it at camp. And, you know, it, it's continued in this game with Phillips producing at a high level. And, uh, and listeners of our show will know I gave him a lot of crap for taking up a roster spot last year. when I was itching to see more of a job. I understand they play completely different roles and he had special teams. But I was just like, I, I wanted that pass rush juice more so than anything special teams. I was like, surely somebody else can contribute because uh, he wasn't contributing on defense there. But, uh, you know, I, I'll. I'll, I'll say he kind of proved me wrong. I had low expectations of him coming back this year, and he's been playing really well. And he's definitely in the in the driver's seat to take that that position away from, from Welsh. who seemed to have the stronger hold of it uh, last year.
3: I, I'm not sure that there's actually room for either of them, and we'll see. But uh, but Phillips oh, yeah, would, yeah. would probably be the guy. I mean, if you think about the Ravens' rest spot, the guy, the guy who missed the game, and we need to talk about him, is Trenton Simpson. And this is a big opportunity missed for Trenton Simpson to get live fire because there, there just isn't a lot of that. And I got to believe if he didn't play this game, there's a pretty good chance he's not going to. Well, okay, I'll say this: maybe they wanted to make sure he rested up and was ready for two live practices plus a game against Washington because this is their biggest week of practice this week. They'll be padded twice. They'll have the they'll have the game, of course, on on uh, Monday night. Uh, and and this is a huge week for for the Ravens and try to figure out their roster the roster depth positions in particular. Uh, But Phillips, uh, boy, uh, he doesn't play Sam like Malik, or he'd really be threatening Harrison's job. Uh, So I think, you know, he's, he's a guy really just a weak side linebacker at this point. Um, And if that's the case, then obviously his, his chances to make the roster are a little bit more difficult because you got to figure queen is there. You got to figure Simpson is there. And then, Roster spots tend to get very tight once you get above four inside linebackers, and you figure Malik is your third, and Roquan, of course, is your fourth. Um, you've 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 got your slots filled. Now the Ravens have had five in recent years because they've done some other special teams addressed special teams, and they've addressed outside linebacker from there. So they may carry five. I don't see any way
4: in hell they carry six, and 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 both of
3: Welch and um, Phillips make it.
4: Agreed. Yeah. They're definitely uh if one of them is gonna make it, that's that's it. That's the upper max. Uh Simpson, huge disappointment to be missing this game. I, I found out about his injury a little late. Um I think he got injured maybe what about a week ago. Uh and I found out maybe like a three or four days after it had happened. I I missed that that note and um it was hugely disappointed because I was really looking forward. That was one of the number one players I wanted to watch. because uh, he I know that in this particular limitations of of um, personnel packages maybe we wouldn't see it uh, what they might do in the regular season but he's a such an interesting piece to me his size and speed is is really rare and mm-hmm. i I just was really curious what kind of of player he'd be and and I really wanted to get snaps like you said there's a lot of people in front of him a lot of ways that he's not going to see the field unless injury occurs so I, I really was disappointed and I I hope. I, I I love the timeline, like you said. Hey, get healthy. You got a big week of practice with two uh you know, practice with the commanders and then the game. That'd be amazing. But I'm not optimistic. Unfortunately, I think he might miss all of that and that'll be a huge loss for him and his first year of development.
3: Yeah. I, I, it it might even mean, you know, a guy like him, because they want to keep somebody else starts the year on IR mm. and ends up coming back after four weeks. The Ravens get an extra chance to practice with him, um, and that I think they they have a there is a rule on how quickly they can come back to practice, and it might be as early as week two to come back in week four, or come back in week five. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But whenever they whenever they have the the option to start practicing again with him, they might consider that a investment in depth at the position. Now, I, I, it's not the position I think they really need depth. You know, they've got another Mike linebacker that probably, despite being good enough to, to be the backup for a lot of teams and Josh Ross is not going to have a spot here. That's what it looks like to me right now. He came yep. in played 17 snaps. I, I, you know, played very well in the preseason last year, the clock did start running on him last year. So he's a second year player now. So it means there's a little bit less value as a, um, a gamble to keep on somebody's roster but if he goes to the practice squad, I think if somebody's going to get short handed at inside linebacker, it wouldn't surprise me if Josh Rosh is a guy who, who gets selected.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. He definitely showed out and, and similar, you know, I wanted to see him play this game more than he did. Mm-hmm. We saw so much of Phillips and, and Harrison, that he just didn't get the opportunity. And, and like I said, last year, he was, he was a big piece um, got injured if I recall correctly, and wasn't really able to um, now, now granted he wasn't necessarily going to see the field anyways uh, with how the, everything played out last year, but I think he was unavailable for some of it as well, but was hoping to see more of him. Um, if, if they're trying to hide him, I don't think that's going to work. I think the, the word's already out on Ross and, um, yeah, we might lose him as early as his, his cut. You know, he gets signed by another practice squad or a team that, that sees an opportunity with him.
3: Yeah, you're right. And that's the opportunity. Once he is cut, then he doesn't necessarily resign with your practice squad, the Patriots or somebody else may be in contact with him and, and he'll be gone very quickly. If that, uh, if that happens, even if they, he just believes there's a better opportunity somewhere else. And it, it's not unreasonable for Josh Ross to say, wow, this, this Baltimore lineup is pretty stacked at linebacker. And if I'm really waiting for Queen to leave next year to get an opportunity, um, you know, he'd, he'd really have to be looking at the group and saying there's a lot of coverage deficiency in this group that I think I can provide. Mm-hmm. And I, he, that might be true. But, uh, but it's gonna be, I think it's going to be harder for him to get on the field here. But, uh, but anyway, I, 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 disappointment that, that he's not available. I mean, his situation is not nearly as dire as Welch's is. Welch, when he's cut at the end of the camp, you know, you hope for the best for him. I think he may be able to find a special team spot as a backup inside linebacker somewhere in the league. But it's no slam dunk. So he's going to, he's, you know, phone calls will have to be made. He'll have to find that good spot for him. And it may be that the Ravens practice squad is the best spot for him. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Let's move on. We've spent some time on inside linebacker. Let's move on to cornerback, which obviously is one of the most difficult depth positions for this team. And one where, as we mentioned in the, in the, in the first half of the show, they, they didn't have six of their 13 guys ready to go in this game.
4: Correct. And, uh, you know, in a way, I feel like we may, may want to just talk about DBs because some of these guys are, are, tweeners. Let's do it. But, um, the one I wanted to start off with was with Stevens, very curious player. Um, you know, I remember the comments at the beginning of camp. Oh, he's going to be a safety. Now we're going to focus on safety again, that lasted not very long. He's back at corner. He, I don't see him going back to safety with the play of other truer safeties. Um, and he had an up and down game. He obviously had some really good plays um, to break up that uh, touchdown opportunity and end mm-hmm. the end the drive. Huge play. Uh, but, you know, he also saw him get picked on a little bit, um, like yep. with that big reception for the Eagles that helped set up their touchdown. So up and down game for Stevens, more up than down, in my opinion, and just a guy you want to see a little bit more out of you know like i said he showed a little bit of that that dominance or that extra you know he doesn't deserve to be out here anymore but but here he is but i felt like he should and and the people i was watching the game with were saying it too like he should be absolutely dominating it shouldn't be a question and it felt like he should be that worldly level given you know what we hope he would be at this point and it's just a little bit of a disappointment obviously has a couple more games to to prove something, I don't think his roster spot's in question by any stretch of the imagination. He's absolutely necessary at this point. But you want to see him more because at eh, the rate that we're going, he's going to get play time. Oh, I mean, right
3: now, I think he's the Ravens' number three corner. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's, you know, if, if – and, well, he's number two without Yasin being, being uh, available. But, uh, you know, that's the – necessity is the mother of these kind of things. So, you know, we've heard a lot of crap in in camp. You hear about how they're going to move players around, and then they, and then they unwind that pretty quickly. We heard about you know, Munkin not wanting to allow Lamar to wear a wristband. That's been unwound now. So they've, they're going yeah. back to the wristbands this week. So you know, it's just you – know, Stevens, it just made too much sense for him to stay at corner. The Ravens', Ravens safety depth, and particularly with the move of Worley, um, has just gotten better. Uh, you know, they still have Geno Stone there. They have Worley. They, of course, have the, the, the two potential pro bowlers. Uh, in in Williams and Hamilton as the as the starters, so you, you have so much depth at that position. It's only natural that your fifth safety, if your fifth safety is a better outside corner than your third best there, you're going to make that <laughs> switch. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, and so they have, and and I think I hope this is the last switch for Steven's career. I hope that he gets some playing time this year. And when I say that, it doesn't have to be a ton. If he plays 150 to 200 snaps on the outside, I'll be thrilled. And really shows out like he can play. And that means Yasin and Humphrey are basically healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that'd be terrific. I think it could be more than that. If they can't find a slot corner, you know, the Ravens could be tempted to make any one of multiple moves, which I wouldn't be entirely happy with. One, moving Hamilton back to the slot. Number two, moving Humphrey into the slot. And either one of those might involve more playing time for Stevens, potentially. Uh, you know, he could get more time at safety potentially. If Hamilton moves back to slot, he could get more time at, uh, on the outside, obviously more likely if Humphrey
4: moves to slot. Agreed. Yeah. Interesting player. You don't see him much as a slot corner projection. I know some people in the community yeah. have, have discussed that, but I just don't see the change of direction necessary for that kind of player. Uh, he's always been a little bit more linear, stiffer athlete, which makes him a better candidate, I think on the outside. So yeah, definitely, uh, Definitely an interesting player and uh, one to keep an eye
3: on. Yeah, also has the size and speed to play on the outside. Good natural boundary corner uh, skills. I think he reduced some of his grabbiness from the early part of last year to the end of last year, which was good. Uh, so, anyway, it was good to see him put a put a really nice game. And it's fifty eight snaps. It's a it's a full game effectively on mm-hmm. tape that that uh, that he played as well as he did. And uh, I, I'm I'm very positive on this. And and I'm I. I, I Think he will stick now at outside corner, given how the Ravens are constituted this year. I don't think it, I don't think a change is coming the, for the rest of twenty twenty three. Agreed. All right, let's move on. Talk about how about our Darius Washington. Uh, there is a guy who I've kind of been wondering where he's at in camp because he just has not been playing with the ones for very much. But the last week or so, uh, he did move up and play a fair amount with the ones. Now some things yep. happened. Mullet got hurt. <laughs> And, uh, Pepe was in there for a while before him. And before that, I think they had Brandon Stevens to start camp was the slot corner, uh, that they were using with the ones. So they finally cleaned the slate on the rest of these guys. Stevens by moving to outside corner, mullet with the injury, um, and, uh, Pepe with the injury. And now they have Ardarius Darius Washington. And he, he turns in a pretty damn good game at a combination of slot corner and safety. And uh, I thought he was one of the really nice, pleasant surprises about this game. The Game was not perfect by any stretch. Uh, the, one of the things is, and I don't know if was, he was giving away something, which I can't really tell, or whether Mariota and McKee were just too good at it. But he he rushed the quarterback a couple times, and and Philadelphia had it sniffed out each time, and they threw the, threw the hot guy on his side, um, and and they just had easy pitch and catch completions, which was unfortunate. I don't know if he gave something away. I really can't can't say that that occurred, mm. but uh, but it is unfortunate that that, uh, that Philadelphia is so keyed in on that.
4: Agreed. I definitely want to see this continue. You know, it's like okay, you did it once. That's great. You had some solid performances in the last couple of years coming in uh, as a call up, usually from the practice squad when depth was thin, and that's all great. But um, I need to see a little bit more consistency from him. Just another game at this level would be a perfect example of that. It uh, doesn't have to be perfect, but I definitely want to keep seeing it from him because uh, then, you know, maybe you can say, okay, we feel decent enough about you as a slot um, and keep Hamilton in the, in the pure strong safety role. We'll see, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent. sold that's going to be the case, but I would love to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, good,
3: good, uh, lots of good things to do. I'm not really concerned about the missed sack that turned into a sack zero, but his missed sack minus 13. Um, if you if you look out there, whether it's on PFF or the places they probably charge him with a missed tackle on that play, I look at it as he delivered initial pressure despite failing to make the sack, and it ended up having a positive result coming out of that. And that's that's a problem with missed tackles in general. Daryl Worley got a missed tackle on his sack minus five or six that, that he would have had uh, when he had the sack and it turned into a sack minus 21. So <laughs> you, know, you, you uh, you're you you can not get too concerned with missed tackles that retract running backs that, that get a uh, any kind of an angular turn to a running back that, that blows up the play uh, or even to a quarterback. And it, the, the ones you do get worried about is when you, you fall off Ben Roethlisberger and then he throws a 50 yard touchdown pass against you. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that, that, that didn't really happen in this game. The the, uh, the miss sack still ended up being a good place for the Ravens. All right, another who do we want to talk about? Difficult game for Jordan Swan in this one. Gave up plays of 27 and 33 yards. I don't think he's in the Ravens' plans. Um, he, and you're looking for guys who could give up their spot for, for some other players to get more playing time. I think Swan is one of them. He was in the game in the first half. Uh, and I think you have an opportunity to move a Kelly up on the totem pole, say, uh, or a Mayfield and see him more early in the game, see what he can do against some stiffer competition.
4: If the cornerback depth is still having problem this next week. Agreed. Swan has not impressed me at camp. Um, I know that they're actually looking, uh, at Nigel warrior to make a comeback. That's a fun name. Really? The past. Yes. Really? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, they he worked out. And uh currently they have enough room on the roster, I believe, to to just sign him. I think they're at eighty-eight right now, so they could have two more. Hmm. So they don't have to necessarily cut anybody if but if they do, I think it'll be Swan. Um he he just hasn't been anything of note. I I actually saw him getting worked out um the last time I was at camp. So I don't know if he has like a little bit of a nagging injury potentially. That's not like he's not fully at 100 percent but anyhow, not uh not the best performance from Swan and uh We'll see. We'll see about Nigel Warrior. I was, <laughs> I was joking with the guys like, oh, our prayers have been answered. Nigel Warrior coming back. <laughs> well, that was that was someone that a lot of people were sure we would lose if we went to the practice squad,
3: and sure enough, um, yeah, yeah, they, they the didn't Seahawks trade him, right? They lost no, him. They, no, they,
4: they lost him to the Seahawks, the Seahawks and he actually played. Um, so he, he's had he's had an opportunity in the league. I mean, obviously, he hasn't played at such a high level that he's been coveted, but um, you know, maybe he'll be able to come back and, and and mix things up at camp and maybe win a roster spot. We'll see. I still have a couple guys to talk about, but do you have anyone else you want to bring up with your points? Oh, yeah, Uh, sure thing. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Let's talk about how Blue Kelly a little bit. Uh, We kind of talked about it in the first episode, but came in late, which was a huge disappointment. But when he did come in, I thought he had very sticky coverage. Um, Saw good technique from him. And and it's just, you know, he's he's such a mystery pick. We didn't quite understand it at draft day. We didn't understand it later. Even Harbaugh, when he talked about him once, almost seemed pleasantly surprised by his his build and athleticism where it like, made me wonder if he even was on board with the pick. And I was just like, what a curious pick. You know, they they picked Pepe last year out of someone slamming the table. It seemed like a kind of similar thing with Caillou Blue Kelly, a, a slam on the table pick. I hope this one works out. Um There's maybe two it? scouts or something have have red
3: starred him in, in, <laughs> yeah. in Ravens lingo. I mean, yeah. it has to be something like that. There has to be something they like that we can't see because the the – his statistics at, at Stanford are terrible. I mean, they're just they're awful in terms of uh, of what he did. He allowed over eight yards per target in college, and that's not a draftable level for a for a uh, a college cornerback. So, right. yeah, dif- difficult, obviously, uh, pick to understand. But you know, he played both left corner and right corner. He was in there. I I agree with you. I think he had he had fairly tight coverage uh, when he was on the field. When Ham had that pass defense. Uh, in in he was a piss fence at the line of scrimmage, obviously, for him, but but he had very tight coverage of Cleveland, who was giving them a lot of trouble all day. Cleveland and Nada were the guys who were, were targeted for a lot of passes for um uh Philadelphia in this game. He had tight coverage of Cleveland on that play, so uh, it was a nice uh, you know, it, it was a nice surprise. I thought what, what they got out of him, and I, I think. To give him any more discussion than that is probably more than he deserves on a show like this. We probably need to move on here. But uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I, he's a guy I wouldn't have any problem at all if they moved him up on the totem pole and he gets some snaps that Swan was getting in this last year. And, and they have the reasons. They have the reasons why Swan was their guy over Kelly. But maybe this game changes their mind a little bit and, he, and they see him a little higher up.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Who's your next guy?
3: Next guy, Jeremy Lucien. Now, a guy who came in and played some corner, played some safety, and looked pretty damn good. And, and obviously, his biggest play was falling on the football that was knocked loose by Worley for, the, for that recovery. So that was really nice. But he also was involved in a play where – I don't know how you pronounce his name. It was Hasselwood or Hazelwood but whatever it is, I, you know, I'm not going to keep track of the Eagles you know, non-roster-making <laughs> receivers at this point. But they had a drive-inning incomplete pass in the second quarter late that gave the Ravens their opportunity to get the football back and, and advance the ball to Tucker's 60-yard field goal. Well, anyway, that play, um, he and Hazelwood got their feet tangled up,
2: yeah. and, they, mm-hmm. and they,
3: you know, the, the official felt the need to announce the reason why there was no flag over right. his microphone. By the way, there, there was no flag for uh, a face mask on that play either, because no player touched the other player's face mask anywhere on the field. You, you, you don't need to announce. You don't need to announce all the crimes yeah. that did not occur you know, on a particular day. Usually, you know, you, uh, you throw the flag, have the perp walk, and that's pretty much it. You're, uh, uh, anyway, the, the Lucian uh, uh, had a nice play on that, and I'm, I actually, it's possible he did a Dennis Rodman. Uh, I, is that reference too old for people? But Dennis Rodman. No, no.
4: I, I mean not for me at least. Okay, so so
3: he had he had some some individual game. I want to say just between like under the basket to half court, he got his legs tangled up with the same player three straight times and fell down with him. Oh wow, really? <laughs> and so so yeah. So I'm not just talking about Dennis Rodman, general the player. I mean people know him and they you know seen yeah. him around on various things and. Uh, but but this was Dennis Rodman in a in a game actually for the Bulls. He was he was you know outstanding defensive player and he and uh, you know he basically what they said is he got at the player's head. But what he really did is he just tripped the guy three straight times. But he knew how to get away with it and, and they're just backing up on, on the court and and you know making it difficult for one of the the uh, good opponents to to make it with him. And they didn't they not call a foul on any of that. It was all incidental. It was a kind of an interesting thing. So to see Lucian get his uh the feet tangled always reminds me of of that particular sequence from from Rodman. By the way, I wonder if I bet if you look out there Rodman YouTube YouTube Rodman feet tangled. <laughs> I bet you I bet you find that series of uh of, of plays. Yeah. Uh,
4: I I'd love to check that out. I will say with with them announcing that call I feel like it was them reading the room. It was kind of a half <laughs> a half Eagles game. You know, was, we're close enough to Philadelphia, it's not that surprising. Uh, lots of Eagles fans around me, at least I don't know about you. And yep. um, just like, you know, all right, we understand that uh it's basically equal footing at this game a little bit, maybe like 70-30. So I'll I'll let you know why I'm not throwing a flag on this play. <laughs> but right. Not too much to add to to Lucian, interesting player. Um this is one of the first times I truly noticed him. like I said at camp like I, I hadn't quite noticed him maybe I was focusing on other players at, at that point, but I did notice him in this game. Uh, definitely a plus performance for him going forward. Don't see him making the team but maybe making the practice squad.
3: right now he's he's a guy he, he fell completely off, off everybody's radar because he's a 46940 guy. So that's not good. He's he probably will have to play safety in the NFL to be effective. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he's he's the player. And in this game, he had a really nice run fit play as well. So I thought that was a that was a positive as well. I got one other guy I want to bring up. That's that's uh uh Mayfield, Corey Mayfield. And Corey okay. Mayfield was a draft pick of the Ravens, right? Didn't they get him with a six or something? I don't think so. I think he was undrafted. Undrafted, okay, very good. All right, but anyway a guy who got into the game late and he had had, I believe two of the nine interceptions the previous Saturday, a week ago, it doesn't, it seems like it was forever ago, but that uh, Jackson Huntley and Johnson threw last week. So, uh, you know, a lot of poorly thrown flotation devices, but Mayfield had two of the interceptions and um, you know, maybe he, he gets some additional playing time out of that. Um, I noted him twice for good coverage in this game. It wasn't enough for me to give him a plus one in this game. Cause I don't really think he's moved the needle yet based on when he got into the game. But, uh, but a guy I, I hope maybe could get a little bit earlier playing time in the next game, see a few more snaps and, and for real, see some reps this week uh, in these, in these two combined practices.
4: Yeah, for sure. It's a definitely a, it's a weird spot we're in. Um, You know, you you want a guy like Stevens to get more reps. He's just a guy that he needs them. He's such a new player to the Mm -hmm. the position. But at the same time, you know what you got. You know he's going to be a contributor on this team this year. Maybe just stop playing him and play a guy like Mayfield a little bit more. You know, just move it up the pecking order, up the totem pole, like you were saying earlier. I I could totally see that. So we'll see going forward how they find these snaps. I think that is a challenge, frankly, uh, Mm -hmm. is is how you divvy up these snaps in such a way where – they can learn, but also maybe not uh, get smoked. Cause like, like I said, I think they do, they do care about winning and uh, they don't want to get completely smoked by playing the sequence wrong of, of when they elevate somebody.
3: Yeah, I mean, they have that. And I, 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 honestly, I don't give a crap about losing the game relative to corner depth for the season. I mean, I, I, I care sure. a little bit about the preseason <laughs> winning streak, but I, if, if, if they could get out of a single game with a guarantee of no injuries, I'd give up the streak in a heartbeat for just that. Yeah. For just one game of guaranteed no injuries. Okay, and J.A.D. is another guy that regardless of where he was this week, he presumably will be healthy at some time during the preseason. He wasn't last year. So, you know, maybe not. But he's going to have to see a little bit of playing time, I think, in the preseason at some point. point, Uh, So that'll create additional pressure on this mullet when he comes back. It's going to create additional pressure in terms of the the snaps. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Kayvon Seymour here, who did take 58 of these these snaps.
4: And he looked pretty darn good, I thought. Indeed, another captain of the game. Uh, Pass defense, end of the drive. Drew an offensive pass interference. Um, Great game. Uh, Also had that fourth and one conversion against him, which was unfortunate. But uh, definitely, you know, this is a a player that I thought would make the team. Um, He's just a sneaky. I think he's sneaky good. I don't think he's uh, terrible. I think he holds his own. And that's, that's what you're looking for for these last corners on, on the team.
3: Yeah, and I, it, he, got, he got beat on the rub route you mentioned. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was, it was an interesting play. The Ravens really ought to pick something up from that and have some rub routes that are actually effective this year. It has not been part of the Roman offense. In fact, the last rub route that I can remember the Ravens running effectively was the Macklin touchdown in the opening game of Week 1 2018 when they beat the Cincinnati 20 to nothing Macklin rubbed off on Watson or Watson caused the defender to be rubbed away. And this, in this case, it was one of the other receivers, but the, on the it was on the fourth and one play, which ended up going for a, a pass right for 17. Um, it was Cleveland. I think who rubbed him off. So uh, uh, anyway, it drew an OPI in the game that was positive. Generally I had a pass defense on the, on the sideline that was legitimate. It wasn't a fake. Um, it did it just had some generally positive play it did allow some pitch and catch. Uh, the Ravens were playing fairly, fairly loose in this game in terms of allowing some of that, allowing some slants to beat them. Uh, and it's just, a, it's just, you know, the, the way it happens sometimes there's there, There's no defense for the perfect pass is something you, you hear a lot. And, uh, and, uh, you know, particularly with Mariota in the game, but also
4: with McKee. They had a pretty effective passer in there. Yeah, definitely pay attention to Kayvon Seymour as a potential cut candidate as well. A uh, three year old mm-hmm. player, one-year contract, no guaranteed money. So he definitely could be a guy they cut and bring back, although um, might be playing a little bit with fire with him. I don't think too, too much, but if a team is even worse off shape with their cornerback depth, it wouldn't shock me at all if they went his direction. Somebody would have to buy him.
3: And he's not the kind of guy you go out and and say, hey, tell you what, come to Arizona instead. We've got an opening for you right away as the number. Let's say, you know, if there's a team that needs him as the number three cornerback, first of all, they're going to get him if they if they have because Seymour is going to is going to see the value in that opportunity. But if it's if it's if it's to be a number four or number five cornerback, somebody else and they just want to buy him for two million dollars, I don't I don't think he necessarily even makes that move. Uh, you know, it's it's the kind of thing you might value how you're valued on special teams here in Baltimore. You've got the survival value of being fifth cornerback slash special teams ace that you can you can play for a couple of years. So anyway, uh, it's it's if you're a special teams player, this is a hell of a place to be playing. This is a, this is oh, yeah. your your contributions are valued if you can play a little defense as well or play wide receiver or running back like like Hill does. You're valued
4: yep absolutely no this is definitely a, a destination for many i think udfas for that exact reason all right we got to talk about
3: worley before we're done here that's uh he yeah. was the man in this game uh
4: anything you have to say first i mean shoot <laughs> that, that, that 23 yard sack was a lot of fun uh, maybe it was 21 you said 21 yard sack yep um uh forced the fumble after the the help from welsh we mentioned that earlier in the episode mm-hmm. and just uh The guy played all the snaps, just phenomenal player um, in this, in this context. (laughs) So, uh, and, and, and cool that he converted to safety. You know, we talk about that a lot. I feel like for the aging corner, this convert to safety. Well, here's an actual example of it. That's kind of working out well. So Uh, yeah, Worley, uh, I thought he played really well, (laughs) obviously,
3: but he, he, in terms of leverage, this was just an extraordinary game. It, Worley not only contributed um, big plays, but he made his big plays in the highest leverage situation. So the last mm-hmm. six notes on him, Q, Q3, 413 is fourth and three. Uh, he and Phillips had a great back at coverage of Cleveland. McKee threw incomplete for NADA in the back of the end zone. That was with Stevens. Um, but but part of that was Worley and, uh, and the coverage he had on that play. Then q 4 11 he stripped Brooks, and that was a drive-ending play there. Always nice to do that whenever you can. You can. Uh, Q4-8-40, 3rd and eight, blitzes off the slot for the S-21. That ends another drive. You're going to notice a, a, uh, a ongoing uh, sequence <laughs> to this. Then on the two-point attempt, he covered the running back Brooks. That's an undervalued part of this. It's kind of like Ray Lewis covering Frank Gore – on second or third down i forget which of the 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 stand against the third down on the stand mm-hmm. against the 49ers mm-hmm. uh but anyway that it was it was nice coverage the the ball was forced into the corner of the end zone and into what he thought was single coverage but washington peeled off his own guy and made the pick then at third and four, he took down Book for the S-Zero. That brought up fourth and four. And then what do you know? He's right there covering Sermon on fourth and four. Just an incredible streak of drive-ending, high-leverage plays. I have never seen it done before in a Ravens preseason game. The only time I can think of it happening in a regular season game that's even close was Levine's game at Pittsburgh in 2018, where as the Dimeback, he had three consecutive drive-ending plays in the fourth quarter that's that's high leverage but this you know he basically was involved in in you know five straight drives ending to end the game for the ravens in one way or another
4: yeah i mean that was you can see in in your notes how he progressively became more and more uh (laughs) dominant as as the game kind of went on and definitely like you said um don't miss out on the fact that these are on high leverage plays, that he's finding a way to, to be a part of it. Maybe shame on the Eagles for going in his direction or 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 praise to Worley for being in the right place to break up a play, a good diagnosis of, of where the ball's going uh in his role as a safety. So yeah, great. I mean, great performance, clear MVP. Yeah.
3: I I, I want to say this one more time. If you want to play a little game of which of these ones is not like the other,
2: look at <laughs> who is on
3: the field with Worley. Uh, at the end of the game. So, the Eagles are trying to catch up. The guys on the field for the Ravens are Nichols, Botts, Caesar on the defensive line. They're the only three guys still playing anywhere on the defensive line these last several drives. Sanders, Ham at outside linebacker. You then have Ross and Welch at inside linebacker. And Kelly, Lucian, Swan, Mayfield, Darius Washington, all in and out in the defensive backfield. And then Daryl Worley. Which one of right. those is not like the other, the, the <laughs> eighth year player with 55 career starts or any of these first, second, third, and Welch does happen to be a fourth year player in the group, but it's mostly rookies. I mean, you know, Nichols, Botts, yeah, Caesar, yeah, yeah. they're all R or one, you know, Sanders and Ham are both rookies. Uh, Ross is a second year player who's hardly played at all of them in the preseason. Kelly is playing his first NFL game of any sort, same with Lucian, Swan and Mayfield. Uh, Ardarius Washington is a third year player, but you know Worley, it just he should tower over that in terms of his understanding. And opposing quarterbacks tend to be pretty bad at that point in a preseason game, they make mistakes. And Worley was there to take advantage of them
4: when they did, right? I think, uh, if you take all the additional years of the other 10 guys on the field <laughs> over a over rookie, right, you get to Worley's experience. So there you go, and, <laughs> and add on that he had 55 uh, starts in the league, you know, that's yeah. He, he didn't belong out there, but, uh, we were glad he was out there as the, as the final hammer to secure the all, all too necessary 24th consecutive win. Yes. (laughs) Which people in the stands are not forgetting about. I mean, we're going out, everyone was saying 24, 24. So,
3: well, you know what I, (laughs) we, we were waiting and Maureen was asking, you know, should we just go home and get started on the notes? And I yeah. said, well, you know, we, the, the win streak's on the line. We'll see some other players in there. We'll wait until they get in and kneel down, and then we have pretty easy, e- easy egress from the stadium from where he sits. So it was, a, it, was a, uh, it was really fun to be there to watch Anthony Brown get the big run to, to get one first down and then to get the quarterback yeah. sneak to get the next one. It was, it was very nice to see that. Yep. Let's talk defensive MVPs. 3-2-1, uh, you, you have your set? I do. Who's your number
4: three guy? All right, uh, there we go. Uh, number three for me is was Darius Washington. Great pick, honorable mention for me. We've
3: talked about him a little bit. Uh, reasoning for having him ahead of other people?
4: Uh, well, honestly, it's because I had an inside view of uh, of who your three were, and I wanted to pick not everyone different, but I, I definitely wanted to include him. I thought he he was right up there.
3: Yeah, I well, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with that play. I have Phillips as my number three guy. Uh, Boy, the guy's playing probably the best football of his life right now and still may not be making the roster. It's not a sure thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's just played so well, though, it's going to be very hard for them to cut him. It is going to be very hard, and there is a lot of good tape out on there. He is a player I think would be right at the top of available inside linebackers uh, slash special teams players that that other teams would look at to try and get league-wide.
4: Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, my next player, Malik Ham, actually, I would say for him and our Darius, the reason they made the field for me is because these are two positions that the Ravens are currently looking for answers. You know, the inside linebacker, defensive tackle, we're not necessarily looking for answers, but slot corner and Sam is uh, a topic on everyone's mind right now. And these two players provided um, a glimpse of, of potential at answering that question in our search for our Sam so, uh, well, at least for ha- uh, Malik Ham for our search for Sam. So I, I, that's what I kind of liked about them as MVP. A good choice. Uh,
3: you know, Malik Ham honorable mention to me, and he certainly showed out extremely well, great to see a Baltimore kid who has a chance to, uh, make the roster. And, and I think at the very least, he's got a chance to be at the top of the, the, the outside linebacker group on the practice squad. So that'll be exciting. But my number two pick was a, was a as easy as slam dunk. And I could have made this guy number one, honestly. And the reason being that, his performance is the one from this game that could really change scheme for the 2023 Ravens, and that's Travis Jones. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about, it should be all about, if you're Mike McDonald, really testing out these next two games, what do you have with Travis Jones? We, in, in terms of practice this week, can you can you get him up against some of the, the Washington top interior linemen, see if you can get him... Uh, good individual matchups, good one-on-one matchups, which will allow him to win. And uh, Jones was just remarkable in that way. And I think, you know, this greatly increases the chance they'll go to one and three with him at three uh, for some plays with Pierce. And I I, I just think, you know, of of things that could happen, Worley's play was higher leverage and and a bigger deal. And I think we both had him as the MVP, but Travis Jones
4: in terms of what it means for the 23 Ravens, huge deal. Astute. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's a great point that of all these performances, like you said, this is going to be the one that might change the way. We just lost
3: Alex there for a second, so I'll keep going. We both had Worley at number one, and uh, that's not surprising, I don't think, to anyone. Worley, an absolutely, outrageously good game, and uh, one that, uh, uh, you know, we've I've never seen anything like it in the preseason, but... Uh, you know, I think there's there's reason to believe that the difference in experience was was a big deal uh, in terms of of uh, deriving that value. Uh, Alec, I'll just tell you, it's been a wonderful time uh, talking with you about that. We're done with the MVPs. We're done with this episode. Uh, we ran a little long on this one, but we hope you guys enjoy the discussion because there's certainly some interesting players involved. Uh, please check out Alec. He's at One Winning Pod on Twitter. He's also Uh, the one winning pod pod is out there, uh, with, uh, him and two friends, uh, Peter Kokoros and, and Chris Rayborg. Uh, I've been on their show occasionally. It's, uh, it's fun and entertaining. And I think you'll like it if you want to give that a chance. Other folks out there, if you'd like to join a film study short, please do so. Uh, DM me on Twitter. They're always open. And, uh, uh, I will get back to you very quickly. We'll talk about the kernel of an episode. If you've got, if you've got an idea for one and, and how we could, uh, turn that into a nice engaging discussion, which is really what we're looking for on this show. Uh, I'll just say goodbye for Alec here. Thanks again for coming on. And we'll talk to you next time on film study.